with those words that we have just sung in mind, I invite you to open a Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, where we will read together here in just a few moments. Thank you for being here this evening. I hope that you've had a good afternoon. I really appreciate the fact that you have a heart to gather together and and sing, pray together, study together. There is no better way that we could spend these last daylight hours of the first Sunday in March than by singing to God and to each other, abide with me. So I want you to know, and I mean this, that you have already been an encouragement to me this evening. I hope that our time in God's Word will be an encouragement to you as well. As hard as it is to believe, we are on the back stretch of the first quarter of this year. And you heard on the first Sunday morning of 2022 that in a variety of ways, in this first quarter, our aim was really to focus on abiding. Abiding in God's Word. For about five months now, here and there, we have thrown up this circle of discipleship. And it ties, of course, directly into our theme for the year. I am His. He is mine. We want to continue to lean on this visual representation of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. We appreciated Edwin Crozier back in late October of last year Spending a few days thinking through this whole thing, talking through this with us, where we learned in great detail that a disciple honors God, and a disciple learns from God, and a disciple loves like God, and a disciple leads others to God, all while, you can see in that outer rim, abiding in God's Word And so it may not have always been apparent, but in a wide variety of ways. Throughout January and February, we've really been putting some practical application to abiding in God's Word. We've had adult Bible classes exploring how does God communicate with us? What is that God who is communicating with us? Like, some of you in the auditorium here have been studying how to study the Bible. On Wednesday evenings, you've been looking at the teacher Jesus. And we've had sermons that explore the nature of love, God's love, and the love that we are called to abide within. We've talked about the gateway of heaven and making the God, my God, on and on. You get the idea. Abiding in God's Word. What I'd like to do with you this evening is just to spend a little bit of time focusing on that first word. Abide. It helps me to periodically slow down and just think about a single word. Especially a word that we use a lot. Maybe not in everyday conversation, but especially in, for instances, the 
songs that we sing. Abide with me. That's a beautiful thing to sing. We've sung together this evening. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. You know where those lyrics come from? As best I can tell, it's where you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 24. It is that scene where we have two men on the road to Emmaus and they are downcast. They are slowly making their way, discouraged and defeated because they had thought Jesus was the one. And surely everyone at this point has heard what happened to Jesus of Nazareth just a couple of days before when he was delivered over to the Romans and crucified. And, and suddenly there is someone strange who is walking with them and he even asks them what what are you talking about as you go along the way and they they tell him the whole story they tell him about their their dashed hopes and he just continues to engage them drawing them deeper and deeper until finally in Luke 24 and verse 28 we're told by Luke they drew near to the village to which they were going he acted as if he was going further but they urged him strongly saying maybe your English translation even renders that abide with us stay with us for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. That's what we've sung together this evening. Abide with me. It's a beautiful thing to sing. A beautiful thing to pray. But one of the foundational things that I need and I would encourage you to engage is the fundamental idea that abiding is not a one-sided relationship. In other contexts, just a, a few months ago, we heard Jesus use this word in John chapter 15 on that night of his betrayal. He is gathered with his apostles in the upper room and in a variety of ways he is preparing them for what is to come. One of the foundational things that he spends the most time talking about is this idea. We'll look at just one verse among many where he says in John 15 verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. Abide with me is a beautiful thing to sing and to pray, but it is not a one-sided relationship. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I mentioned earlier, we don't use that word perhaps a whole lot outside of this building. 
it is closely tied to abode. What do you think of when you think of your abode? That's, that's my home. That's my habitation. That's where I dwell. That's where you reside. You, you realize that you might spend a little bit of time for a little while in someone's guest room or down in their basement on their couch or you might spend a little bit of time in a hotel room, maybe even in a, in a tent as it gets a little warmer, but that, that's not your abode. You're just staying there for a little while. Your abode is where you dwell, where you reside. And so it sounds a little clunky, but you abide in your abode. You abide where you are most at home. But how can you abide in someone? It's much easier for us to wrap our minds around abiding in some thing. Maybe it is a house, maybe it is an apartment or a condominium. Maybe you're one of these young adventurous couples that would love to overhaul a U-Haul and turn it into just a, a beautiful driving machine where you could have all of the luxuries of a tiny space and just drive all over the United States. Whatever it is, that's, that's your abode that's the place or the thing in which you dwell how do you dwell in a person especially a person that you've never seen with your physical eyes never been able to touch with your physical hands how could you ever hope to abide in someone who lived 2000 Years ago, for the remainder of our time together, would you open your Bibles with me to 1 John? We're going to spend the rest of our time in just those few pages. We'll cheat just a little and briefly go to 2 John, but if you can find near the end of your Bible, 1 John. Beginning in chapter 2, what I'd love to do is just to give voice to one of the men who was there in that upper room who heard Jesus speak of vines and branches and call his apostles and by extension his disciples of all time, all ages to abide in me and I in you. What's that mean? What does that look like? Especially with our quarter-long focus of abiding in God's Word. I'd like to give you five basic words that really touch on how you're going to live your life this week. How you're going to look at the world this week. How you're going to look at the precious time and opportunities that you have for the rest of your time on this earth. And the first of those words is 
word. Is your Bible open there to 1 John chapter 2, verse 24? I want you just to notice. Maybe you're following along on the back side of that note card. We don't even have all of the verses listed here. But if you are, you might just circle. Every time you see the word abide. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible... Abide is a great thing to highlight all over 1st and 2nd John. And so many of those uses of the word revolve around God's word and my relationship to it. So for instance, in 1st John chapter 2 and verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. You remember that foundational question? How in the world can you abide in someone How could you ever hope to abide in someone who walked the earth 2,000 years ago? Well, here's an answer. He's communicated with us. He continues to communicate with us through His amazing creation, through this written revelation through the good examples of men and women of faith who helped to shape our own consciences and inscribe His Word on our hearts so that we carry it with us outside of this building, out into the world around us. And here is the Holy Spirit leading John to say in verse 24, Remember what you heard from the very beginning. The most foundational truths. There is a God who loved this sinful world so much that He sent His only Son as the perfect sacrifice to cover our sins. And that Son came and He not only showed us what it meant to live for God He taught us most clearly what God wants for us and from us. Skip just a few verses before this to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14 where John says, I write to you fathers, verse 14, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in You. You've allowed that word to be inscribed on the tablet of your heart. And what has it enabled you to do? To overcome the evil one. You keep reading in 1 John. You might have to turn the page to get to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24 where the word abide is used multiple times. 1 John 3 verse 24. It becomes really clear really quickly that this is about more than just knowing what the word is, what the word was, what the word says. It's it's a matter of keeping it. And that as I 
keep that word within me. It keeps me from danger. You see, abiding is not a one-way relationship. 1 John 3 verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. And God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. By the spirit whom he has given us. And so I'm, I'm observing not just what a, a book says, but I am respecting and submitting my life to the very spirit of God. The spirit that Paul in Ephesians 4 and verse 30 encourages all of us as Christians don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Well, how in the world could I ever grieve the Spirit of God? Well, it's right here. Let what you heard from the very beginning abide in you. Carry that with you. Keep it and allow yourself to be kept by it. Because if you don't, I told you we would cheat just a little. Go with me a few pages over to 2 John, where John makes it explicitly clear what the stakes here are. In 2 John, it's just one chapter in our Bibles. You look with me at verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And so I hear from the very beginning that there is a creator, there is a God, and, and I'm not him, and he has a will for my life, and I've broken that will, but he sent his only Son to save me. Well, God can't be my abode if, if I don't abide within His Word. You see that. If I don't allow Jesus' teaching, you take just His most famous sermon, and you begin reading in Matthew chapter 5 about a completely different way of looking at the world and the good, fulfilled life. And if I don't listen to his call to be unashamedly different by keeping myself within this word, if I don't listen to what he says about anger, lust, if I don't respect what he says about sexual immorality, Adultery, divorce. If I just completely disregard what he says in Matthew 5 and 6 about retaliating, how I treat my enemies, how I treat the needy around me, how I lay up treasures in heaven, not just here on the earth. You see, there's a there's a fundamental question that begins to bubble up to the surface. Where's home for me? And I'd really encourage you not just to hear that, but to, 
to turn that over in your mind this week. Where's home? Where's my real abode? Not the bricks and mortar that I, I live in physically. That's just here for a little while. More about that in just a moment. But where am I most at home? You know, you go next week, next month, next year. You stay in a hotel, even if it's a really nice hotel. You might have a little bit of a thrill as you first walk into that room and see it all clean. But then, you know, especially if you have kids, you live in that and it doesn't look nearly as good as when you first walked in after just a little while. And, and even the nicest of places after a while, don't you get that keen sense that, well, this is nice. But it's not home. I'm just visiting for a little while. You're traveling and you, you stay with someone who's nice enough to put you in one of their guest bedrooms. And, and that's very kind. And, and you're very thankful for that. But it doesn't take long for that to, to settle in on you. Well, I appreciate it, but, but this isn't home. So where's my spiritual abode in relation to the word is this home and i i work as god has called me to work i i i, I go to school i i function in the community I, i'm a citizen of these united states of america i i do my best to raise a family i i i got to go to the grocery store i got to fill up my car with gas all of these variety of things but but that's not home this is home or is it well, home is me waking up and, and just filling my mind with what's going on in the world and what other people have to say in my circle of friends and, and influences. And I, you, you know, I, I'm on the verge of a very busy week and there are all of these things, all of these plans, all of these obligations and responsibilities. And, and that's really just going to very quickly fill up all of my time and attention. But you know what? On Wednesday night or next Sunday... I'll visit God's Word. But that's not home. Home's out there. You and I have been given the gift of choice. Where we will make our home for a little while. But before we leave 2 John, in 2 John verses 1 and 2, it's important for us to realize that John describes himself as the elder. He's writing to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. You know what? What would you be willing to pay? What would you be willing to sacrifice if somehow a real estate agent were able to convince you this is truly the last home that you're ever going to need? You'll never run out of space. 
You'll never run the thing dry. It will always be a source of abundance and fulfillment and satisfaction. Truly, you're, you're, you're forever home. And most everybody in this room is experienced enough to realize, well, that's not how it works with drywall and real estate and cinder block foundations. That's not going to be true of my car or my phone. Listen, this isn't even going to be true of my closest friends. This isn't going to be true of my spouse. Odds are very, 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 very high that one of us will bury the other. This won't be true of, of even my family. Those things don't abide forever. But the truth, it does. Which means I need to think really seriously about where I'm most at home. Let's go back. First John chapter 2. Our second of five words is walk. Word, number one, walk, number two. First John chapter 2 verse 5. Latter part of that verse. By this we may know that we are in him. How, how in the world can you abide in someone? Well, here's an answer. Verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which the Lord walked. That's what that circle is all about. Honoring God the way that Jesus honored God. Learning from God the way that Jesus taught disciples to learn from God. Loving like God. Leading others to God. All while abiding in God's Word. That For, for those who are at home with God. They abide in, in this abode. You look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 15. It's, it's a lifestyle. Verse 15 of 1 John 4. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You remember how Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32 said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, him I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And he's not talking in the context about a one-time thing that I say with my mouth. He's talking about a lifestyle. And it forces me, I, it invites you this evening to ask, well, where's home? Is my abode with God to the point that I'm just walking with Him every day? Or do I just visit Him on the weekends? Give Him an hour or two of my time. But home's out there somewhere. You go with me to 1 John chapter 2. Our third word is is love and 
Wow, does John over and over again show us this connection with love and abiding. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. This is the light of life the way it was meant to be. This is not about making anybody else stumble. No, this It takes into account that these are the things of life and death. And so in chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. There was a time, certainly, that every disciple of Jesus hasn't loved their neighbor the way that they should. There have been times that we've all been the causes for stumbling in somebody else's life. but, But no more. That's not home anymore. That may be other people where, where they choose to abide, but, but that's not my abode. My abode is, is loving the brothers because whoever does not love abides in death. And it's not just something that I, I talk about, give lip service to. Three verses later in verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him no this is love made tangible love that can be seen first john chapter 4 and verse 12 no one has ever seen god but if we love one another god abides in us and his love is perfected in us in fact it very well may be what helps our children and our grandchildren others who are seeking for more than abiding in this sin-sick world to see to finally grasp the the wonder of God's love. What an amazing thought that the way I behave and you treat others might make God's love real in someone's mind for the very first time. 1 John 4 verse 16. We've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So Where's home? Where do I feel most at home? Do I feel most at home when I put myself first? I just operate out of selfishness? I treat other people however it's going to take for me to get what I want? Or is that where I used to live, but that, that's not home anymore? Home is in God's love because, key word number four, there's been a, a transformation. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And I'm not sure how it could be put any more straightforwardly than than that where's home 
is sin home? Where I've decided, well, I see what he said in his word, but I just don't want to walk that way right now. I'd rather live and make sin home. Well, I can do that for a little while. But I can't do that and be at home with God. I'm like that prodigal son who decided, I don't want to live here anymore. I'd rather live over there. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Please hear how John is putting this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that, that this is not. No one born of God ever sins again. John knew what it was to sin as a disciple of Jesus. Paul knew what it was to sin. Peter knew what it was to sin. Mary knew what it was to sin. It's not that, okay, if I say, well, I'm on God's side, I just put myself on autopilot for the remainder of my time on earth, and, and now irresistibly there is this God-like force field that will keep me out of sin. No, I, I can stumble. I can make a real mess of things. But if sin isn't home and I stumbled over here into sin and maybe I hurt you along the way, I want to get back home. Whatever it's going to take, whatever it's going to cost, whatever the, the shame associated with it. Because I want to be at home with God. Which means I can't Practice sin. Sin can't be home. God's seed abides in the person who, who wants to be at home with him. And, and if, if that's the case, I can't keep on sinning. I, I'm a child of God. I belong in the house of my Father. I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind. But every once in a while, it's good for me. However you've been walking, however long you've been walking with God, just to ask, well, where's home? Where am I abiding this week? What will I practice this week? Because I want to make sure, number five, that I've got Such a precious word. But could I just be really honest with you this evening? I don't know what hope you have if you decide to make sin your home. You can live it up for a little while. You can spread those wings and flex your muscles and show everybody. Nobody's going to tell me the way I'm going to live. I want to do what I want to do. And so I make the world's home. Because home's where the heart is. 
And there's just one big problem. Unveiled by John in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Shouldn't love the world. Shouldn't love the things in the world. Because you think that tornado that blew through southern Indiana 10 years ago was rough? That's nothing. That's like the softest, most gentle breeze on a calm, sunny day compared to this. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, that's not from the Father, that's from the world, and the world is passing away. Along with its desires. And so that leaves me with, well, I choose to make my home somewhere that is passing away. Somewhere that comes at the expense of relationship with God. Or will I, will I do the will of God and will I, will I abide forever? Because here's the bottom line. Little children abide in Him. So that, not if, when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from His coming. And so I ask you one more time. Where's home? When other helpers fail and comforts flee, where's home? There is a help for the helpless. Change and decay in all around I see. There's one who does not change. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself my guide and stay can be? Through clouds and sunshine. Where's home for you tonight? And maybe by focusing on just one word used over and over and over again by a man who walked with Jesus. You've come to be homesick for what should have been home all along. Maybe that prodigal son or daughter, that's, that's you tonight. And you're coming to yourself. And you're reasoning that what I've made home isn't where I want to be. I want a different kind of heart. I want to come back to my father. Is he willing to listen? Is he willing to accept me back? The very people who crucified the son of God were told, you've got to repent. You, you can't carry that junk with you back home. 
But if you're willing to turn your back on sin, and you're willing to confess your faith that Jesus is the Son of God, and you're willing to be buried with Him in baptism, you can be raised at home. Abundant life. Forgiven sin. Hope for the future. Able to say, I am His. And He is mine. If in any way, your abiding, your abode needs help this evening. Maybe you could just use some prayers. What a blessing to be surrounded by so many who are seeking to make God home. Whatever your need may be, if you would let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together.